Welcome to Autism Elements Podcast. My name is Natalia. I am a full-time special education curriculum program specialist and consultant. I want to share my experiences in special education from working in the sixth largest district in the United States. From being a social worker to classroom assistant to teacher and now working at the district level. I want to give you strategies and best practices to create successful environments for individuals with disabilities. So if you're looking for actionable steps, inspiration, and are ready to create an impact, you're in the right place. Let's get started. Hello, everyone. This is Natalia from Autism and Exceptional Learner Elements. So I have been MIA from the podcast world for a little bit, but I did want to touch base with you guys. There has been so much going on for our company, so much going on in our own personal lives. Um, I don't know if you work summer school and you're like me, then you probably just wrapped up summer school at the time that you're hearing this particular podcast or when it's being recorded, better yet. Um, Or you were like Alicia who was enjoying her summer traveling you know, restarting, refreshing, and just, you know, kind of, you know, having some self-care moments. So in between, I did try to do that, but now we're all starting to think, it's the beginning of August, we're all starting to think about what is coming up in the school year. So today I did want to take some time to just give you guys some thoughts, some ideas. Um, There's so much that has been happening for our company. One of the very fun things we love to share with you guys is that we created another course. So our first massive course was on planning your self-contained classroom in five steps. It is a self-paced course, every course that we offered. So there's a ton of video content available. And you can find this through Autism Elements Academy at teachable.com. What I love about the new new courses that we're adding is that we are giving mini courses so you guys can get a wealth of knowledge. I know that a lot of times we get told that we need to attend all these trainings, but half of the time, let's be honest, guys, you can't take none of that information back to your classroom because it doesn't quite apply to it, you know, to what you're doing. Sometimes, you know, you might take a thing here and there, but many times more often than not, it doesn't apply to your special education world. Well, that's where we come in. We are coming in to help our special education community learn the things they need to learn to make successful classrooms. Our next course has been the writing IEP course, which has been a world of information to help teachers who work in special education learn how to write those IEPs. We break down every single domain just to give you a guidance and checklist and ideas. We included a few of our TPT resources in as a bonus. You get to have all this content broken down, things you really should consider and how to make very thorough and well-written quality IEPs. So if you're interested in learning about that, we have those available and I'll make sure to post those links below. The next thing we wanted to talk about with you guys, which is really what today is about is just Thinking about your classroom. I know that if you are like me, I used to spend summers um, when I was a classroom teacher or school base, I used to spend my summers planning. Like that's just how I worked. I couldn't help myself. I always started, I normally started actually in May, which seems crazy, but I always started planning. So the first thing I did at the very beginning of the summer um, was really recreate materials that I could utilize with my students. I feel like that's the biggest thing, such as, you know, replacing IEP um, 
not IEP, but replacing visuals and things like that. So that was one of the first things I did, right? Because I feel like a lot of times if you've been in the self-contained classroom, you're a, a veteran teacher, your students will utilize these schedules and they just, by the end of the year, they're a mess. So I always like to start with fresh ones or replacement ones. So I started looking at all my visuals in my classroom, if I was a veteran teacher, and start creating those so they can be ready for the beginning of like the school year and the planning week. If you're a brand new teacher, that's okay. You can still do the same concept. Just start, you might have to think of things a little bit different. So in our pre-planned class, we go over, and I know Alicia kind of talked about that, the things that you could be doing. And really, this is in essence, the planning stage of your classroom. But I promise you, if you spend at least a little bit of the time preparing for this, is really going to make the world of a difference as you come into that planning week. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I know it's very different in our district. Sometimes we can't really use all that planning time. There's a lot of meetings that are happening between. So the more we can plan ahead of time, the faster the classroom setup could go and the, the smoother, better yet. Not necessarily faster, but smoother. So the first thing as always is get to know your students. So gather all the documentation you can get on the kids. So it starts giving you an idea of which type of students are going to be coming into your classroom and how much support would they need. I'm going to quote my good, dear friend and mentor, um, and she always says, when you have a self-contained classroom, if that's your case, you want to definitely address the most complex student in your class. The rest will fall in line. And that's actually a perfect thought, because one of the things that I was thinking about is I was very visually oriented. Like my classroom had visuals in every single center, every part of my class. And, you know, we kind of always argue. I, I've heard this over and over again with teachers. I mean, I support the district and I get to work with many, many different teachers. And the biggest fight that I always get is, well, that's great, but, you know, that doesn't work. And you're right. It may not work if your mindset is that, it, one, it won't work. But I promise you guys, if your mindset is this is going to make a difference, these are just tools to make students independent. And I mean, just think about yourself. We need visuals all the time. You know, I went to Outback the other time with my family and I'm looking at the coaster, the cardboard coaster where, you know, they put on the table and literally it has visuals about eating, about drinking. I'm like, look at this. Like, I mean, visuals are universal. You find these anywhere. I mean, in traffic signs, you find them at airports when you go to the shopping, right? So it doesn't matter if you know the language or don't know it. We use it all the time. I mean, there's icons everywhere, right, guys? So it's the same thing for our students. Why have we become so dependent on these apps, right, on these on these icons and visuals, but we don't want to implement it for our students? In essence, we're really preparing them for life in general, okay? So keeping in mind those visuals are going to make a difference. So I'm going to tell you guys about a few visuals that, for me, were really life-changing. And at first, I didn't quite understand them, but then I was like, what? <laughs> and then I've had to adapt them throughout the year. So I'm going to talk about using hands and feet visuals. Um, and you might be thinking, what? <laughs> so here's the first one. So the feet. Okay, let's start with the feet. So I'm going to use the feet. Um, I used to do cutouts of feet and I had a friend who did it a little bit different, so I'm going to give you guys different ideas. So this was used to line up the students. So the feet, in essence, was a visual representation of where the student will have to stand. Now, some people went a little bit overboard and used to take actual pictures of the student's shoes so the students could relate. Um, sometimes I just did, I never did the photos. That was my dear friend, Kelly, who always went above and beyond. I just did black uh, first, I did color feet because I used to assign colors to each of my students. So wherever I put that color feet, 
my students knew that that's where they were go. Now, within time, I just felt like every time that I had to move a student out of the line order that I placed them in, it was a whole mission, guys. So I decided to do something different. I decided to use black um, silhouettes of feet, right? Of like shoes, better yet, not feet, but like shoes. And then I would place them on the on the line. So right up by the entrance, I would put contact paper. And I did have an amazing custodial staff who would go with their waxing machine and wax it. And that would hold those feet forever. Now, then once the floor was waxed, I would actually put contact paper with a picture of the student there, you know, and they would have their color border. So in case I really did need to switch the placement of the line, all I had to do is really switch um, the picture with the border. So it did make my life a lot easier. And I, I hope that you can visualize this, but basically is a line of, you know, silhouettes of shoe sizes or feet, whatever you want to use. And then you line them up, put contact paper, have your custodians like kindly bind them flowers, give them a small gift card, a treat, have them wax over that, and then put the picture of the student because that's the one that you can switch more often than not. So that was the first way that I used feet silhouettes in my classroom. The other way you can use it is in a whole group. And another thing why this is going to be so important is, is because it's going to give a visual representation of where their feet should be all the time. Now, I used to use it not only as a visual prompt, but as a behavior command. Because when I would tell them, show me you're ready, all my students, I would tell them, show me where your feet need to be. They would automatically know that their feet needed to be right on top of those silhouettes or those visual supports. So that was really good. Now, I used to incorporate this. I did have some students that really needed this throughout all my centers. So wherever I knew that one particular student would sit and I would make sure that would be their assigned seat, I would always have the feet there available. So if I did direct instruction or teacher instruction, I would have it in my floor there. If I had my whole group, I would do it there. Now here's the, the trick I'm gonna tell you guys is that this particular strategy of using these, these visuals particularly, I really just implemented in whole group. That was really my cue. And it, they became so ingrained with that visual support in whole group because we went to whole group for a lot of times. We did morning group, we did social skills, we did a whole group activity, snack, arts and craft, everything. Dismissal was done in whole group. So I did use that center a lot. So I was able to teach my students that concept. Now, whenever they didn't have those feet, all I had to say is, show me you're ready. Where does your feet need to be? It started becoming an automatic reaction for my students. It became a habit. Okay, so again, the more you practice a skill, the more ingrained and consistent you are with it, the more successful and more permanent it becomes. So that's just one of the visuals that I use. Another visual support that was like extremely useful for me and I loved and adore was hands. Using again, the silhouette or the visual of a handprint. When I started, we used to use colors. Remember I mentioned to you guys, in my self-contained classroom, every student is assigned the color. Now that was always for everything. Every center had their, you know, their visuals had their color, their center materials had their color, so they knew it belonged to them. But throughout the years, I learned, again, same thing. If I have to move a student, it just became such a pain to have to switch the colors again, because that was their assigned color. So I ended up doing the same concept with the feet. I didn't have color feet or color hands anymore. I ended up having just the color black and I made sure that none of my students had that as a border color. So we can make sure that we can utilize it as the visual, you know, a general visual basically. And it was the same thing. I would tell my students, show me you're ready. Where are your hands and where do you feet need to be? And show me hands that are ready. And they would just sit in that whole group and put their hands right there. 
And it was great for those kids that were hitting, for those kids that were fidgety, for those kids that you needed to give them a visual prompt on how to show, you know, that etiquette of being ready, looking at the teacher and doing all these things. So again, I used it, I taught it in my whole group, and that concept would carry on. It became a permanent habit for my students, and I could use this absolutely anywhere. Well, let me tell you that this was a saving grace because I did it so many times over and over again that then when my class became chaotic, I would bring them all to a whole group, and then I would tell all my students, hey, guys, you are not behaving. Today, we're all over the place. Let's regroup ourselves. Show me you're ready all my students, it will be like an automatic factory machine that everybody reacted the same way. It was quite amazing to see the behavior management because of these visuals. So although a lot of times people will argue with me that they don't work, I really think that deep down, it's not that these things won't work. Most of the time, anytime we're trying to learn a new habit, and I've been learning this myself for personal development, is that if we don't put the effort in, And if we don't do the work, things are not just going to automatically work. We have to teach it. And that is one of the things that Alicia has mentioned in her behavior course online is that just like we teach everything else, we have to teach these behavior things. So just like you do anything in the life, potty training, math skills, reading skills, I mean, walking, eating, feeding, I mean, you name it, whatever it is that you're learning, we have to teach it. Okay, guys, so take some time to whatever visuals you're putting in place, you need to teach them. So I just wanted to come in today because, you know, this came to my mind. I was going through some old classroom pictures um, through my blogs, and I just realized that I have this in every single class, but I've never really talked about it through my, my podcast. So I wanted to share it with you guys, because if you haven't done this, I highly recommend it. If you have students who really have a hard time, they're fidgety, or maybe, you know, they have inappropriate hands or they hit other students or kick other students, I recommend that you use this visual support of the hands and feet throughout all your different centers. Now, remember, guys, I did mention at the beginning that even though this may not apply for every student, you always want to set up your classroom for the most complex student and the rest will follow along. So that was another thing that I saw. Another quick idea I wanted to give you guys is when you're really having a hard time, um, maybe repeating yourself. In your classroom, you're always going to have your many teachers, the ones that love to tell everybody else what to do. And you're going to have students who easily get distracted, but they can't do the skills if they just have the you know reminders. So if you need that, make a quick checklist, or you can do a visual checklist or just a visual task analysis. And instead of having to spend your time with those students who can't do these skills, but just need reminders, create these visual tools to help you minimize that adult support. And then you can focus on the students that really need that hands-on support, that physical support, and maybe possibly, you know, like more, you know, redirection for safety purposes. So I used to have my, you know, higher functioning kids or students who have more capabilities because we want to start learning our, you know, how we use our words. But I used to really create these tools and visual supports to help the students that could be independent. And we want that. We want to teach them to be as independent as possible. So if you find yourself throughout the year, okay, I'm not saying you have to tackle all these things at the beginning of the year, creating these little, you know, schedules. But if you find this is something you have to continuously do, and you know, deep down a student could do it, Try implementing those visual supports and you might just notice the world of a difference. But remember, you have to keep at it, okay, guys? You can't just expect the student that they're going to learn it. You have to be consistent with it and then it becomes permanent, okay? So consistency is going to lead to more permanence, all right? 
So I hope these two tips, again, your hands and feet visuals, this I recommend you do from day one, line them up. Okay. That was a good tip. Remember the line, you know, put the, the feet on the floor, put the contact paper. And if you really feel like feet are too young, maybe for your class, do what I did. I had a different range of students. So you could always change it by shapes. You can change it by, um, first, second, third, fourth, and fifth. I did that when I had my older students, my intermediate group. Um, you know, you can use words if you want to. I mean, you can go be as creative as you want to do, but do teach them to line up because if it's not there anymore, you know, you could always change that setting. I mean, I used to move my students' order number all the time, but I had to find a simpler way to do it when I did all this work. And that's just what worked for me. Waxing it for sure with just contact paper and the the visual uh, feet really made a difference. So talk to your custodians. Again, give them a sweet treat. They'll get it done for you. In your um, desk, another thing I want to just bring up, if you guys use a name tag, sometimes that when I first started, actually, we used to have the name tag on the bottom and the hands on the bottom of the desk. Well, no, that doesn't work because when you write, it really becomes uncomfortable for students to write above the name tag. So the name tag should be on the top of the desk. And then the hands, the left and right, should be on the bottom. So again, contact paper is going to be useful. Some kids, I'm not going to lie, some kids will remove it. And that's really when you you either want to keep putting it as long as you can get them to, to remember that visual, you know, that permanence. But if they keep removing it, some students may not need it at all. I recommend you put it for all you students at first. And then as they kind of, you know, trickle down, then you can start removing them. But I promise you guys, do this tricks, and it's really going to help out your class, especially for classroom management, on teaching them what's appropriate. And, you know, show me that you're ready. That was my cue. Show me you're ready. And then I would tell them, hands on hands, feet on feet. And that was my cue. Show me you're ready. Hands on hands, feet on feet. Eventually, I completely took away the, you know, the hands on hands and feet on feet. And it just became, okay, guys, show me you're ready. And, again, you were just kind of working the process and I taught them over and over again my parents did the same thing and it just made the world of a difference so I hope guys that this was some useful tip that you can start thinking about as you're planning for your classroom and don't forget guys we are continuously creating new content for our online courses we have our pre-plan we have our quality IEPs and very soon we're going to be talking about a behavior course that Alicia is taking out so be on the lookout for those I'll make sure to post the links down below and be on the lookout. I will be writing about this a little bit in my blog because I feel like this is such a little minimal support that makes the world of a difference. Okay, guys, I hope you have a wonderful summer and be safe, okay? See you next time. If you enjoyed this episode, share it with a friend. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast to stay up to date with our most recent content. I would love to hear your feedback and comments. Feel free to post questions and thoughts. See you on the next podcast.